Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast, where we talk about life, business, entrepreneurship, the beauty industry, and beyond. My name is Gina Bianca, life and business coach, salon owner, educator, mastermind mentor, and your host of the Gina Bianca podcast. everybody and welcome back to the Gina Bianca podcast for salon ownership unfiltered. I'm here with an incredible guest Farhana Premji. She is amazing. I've done quite a few things with her uh, in my mastermind group and on the podcast. She is an incredible salon owner from Canada and I always learn so much when speaking with her. So when I was thinking about who to ask to interview on this series. She was one of the first people that came to mind. So welcome Farhana. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much. Every time I chat with you, I feel like my entrepreneur mind is like an overdrive and I love that. So excited. I to love be. it. We're cut from the same cloth for sure. We really are. <laughs> I love it. So thank you so much again for doing this. Um, I'm really, really grateful for your time. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to start and just, you know, give you a moment to share who you are, where you're from and what you're doing in the industry for our listeners. Yeah. So, um, I'm Farhana XO Farhana Balayaj on Instagram. Um, I have been doing hair for 14 years. I've been an independent educator for eight years, um, traveling all over and then opened my salon six years ago. Um, brand ambassador for Redkin National and, um, you know, just my hands are in a lot of things. I got a couple more things launching coming up here. So, you know, it just never stops. I'm, um, an entrepreneur and a business owner that has a sick addiction for, um, for growth all the time. I love that. Same. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Awesome. Um, so I want to specifically talk with you today about your salon. I mean, I could talk with you about every other thing. Like, you know, we, I, I'm sure we could talk about education for two hours. I'm sure we could talk about hair for two hours. Um, but I know like how passionate and how in love you are with your salon and how hard you work to create, you know, a brand, a culture, like your place is gorgeous. I know you just remodeled. So I want to spend time specifically talking about the salon And I shared with you in the beginning, you know, when we were talking offline that this podcast is really to motivate and inspire salon owners and kind of talk about what's working, what's not struggles, challenges, and what you're doing behind the scenes to create, you know, your amazing space, the beige label. So give us like a, a little bird's eye view of your salon, where it is and what you guys are doing. So um, I just had my six years of when I signed my lease and um, kind of became incorporated. And uh, this year will now hit five years of being open. It was a base building. So there was like some time spent there. Um, So my salon is like a concept salon. We call it like a destination experience. We're very niche in what we do. Our menu is very dialed in. Um, Our pricing is uh, very high for... um, I mean, I didn't realize it was until people kind of told me it was. I I was just really paying attention to what the supply and demand was. That's kind of how um, pricing kind of came about. We're structured in the way that we do things internally um, for our employees. And um, but I have some non-negotiables and then I have some areas where I think right now what I find with stylists as I coach stylists and then also I'm interviewing and then I'm also working with my stylist every day is they're really looking for a lot of flexibility and independence. So that's something that I'm really focused on right now, especially after our remodel, um, just really honing in on the, the team that I wanna spend my days with is really important to me. Um, I think as a salon owner, so did this remodel six years into it, which I know wasn't necessary, but I'm an artist and I work in my space every day and I'm here a lot and I got the itch. And it kind of made me realize that stylists get the itch for change. Um, and so I experienced that. So, um, you know, I think where that came from was just wanting to feel inspired all of the time. And I know we use that word so loosely, like we're inspired and you need to have some sort of like creative freedom to do the things that we want to do. And I wanted to have that space, not just for my clients, but also selfishly for myself as a salon owner that's here all of the time and, um, really trying to find the type of stylist that would fit in with, um, the brand that we have. So that's kind of 
you know, on a high level, a little bit of our salon, um, it's definitely, we kind of call it like, a, you know, approachable luxury in a, in a way. It's like this like casual effortless, but like still very minimal bougie vibe. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's that. Love it. So I want to know like a little bit about your salon. Like what is your business model? Are you commission? Are you booth rent? And what, where are you located exactly? So we are located in Britannia, um, inner city Southwest, it's called in Calgary. So it's kind of right outside of downtown, right before you kind of hit the suburbs. It's a very affluent area. Um, you know, commercially it's, uh, it's, uh, it's an expensive area. And I, I kind of knew that going into that, but it really fit with my brand. And then, you know, over COVID, I was, I was actually thinking about moving locations because I wanted a bigger space. And I looked around and my realtor who was helping me find spaces came to my salon and he walked in here and he's just like, I honestly don't think I'm going to find you something better than what you have. You are in like the top area. Some salon owner is going to come and snatch this place the second they know you're leaving. And the thought of that made me want to stay. So I ended up remodeling and staying and we kind of changed the footprint. Um, we are a commission salon and, um, I'm not opposed to someday one, you know, maybe having some sort of um, hybrid rental, you know, for those stylists that kind of want to experience being fully independent, um, either in this space or, or another. But as of right now, we're a commission salon. How many chairs do you have? We're six operator. Six chairs. Yeah. Yeah. Rental would be super hard with that. Like, really how hard. are you going to make money? Especially when you don't like, I don't, I don't own my space. Right. So if I owned the space or if I had a space that had the ability to have that much more, you know, that many more chairs, it would, um, it would definitely change the game. But for right now, especially with having such a niche brand, like rental would be, would pose a lot of challenges at this moment. Yeah, totally. I feel like with rental you need, and I was just talking with Victor about this and he actually gave me this advice before I opened the network. He said, rental is not worth it unless you have 20 chairs or more and you really don't start making money until you have 30 chairs otherwise it's like how like how much rent can you realistically charge before someone is just like i'm just gonna open a salon like why yeah. am i paying two grand a month to rent when yeah. i can just open a small space and have six chairs and you know start my own thing some people like can't do that or like won't do that or like they don't want to but it's like, how much rent could you realistically charge it? So you need like tons of chairs. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love the smaller concept too for employment base. I feel like employment base is like a little bit easier with like less than eight. And then it starts to get complicated, like eight to 20. And then it starts to get a little bit easier. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's hard, yeah. I always but... say we're, we're like small, but mighty. I love it. I love it. And your place looks gorgeous. Thank you. I mean, it looks beautiful. Um, I, another question I had that I'm asking all of the salon owners is, did you have any like formal business training when opening your salon? Like, you know, did you just wing it? Did you go from like stylist to rental to salon owner, stylist to salon owner? Did you have any like formal training or coaching or anything that you uh, think really helped you get to where you are? Real talk, if you're not shopping at Marlo Beauty Supply, you are losing money. But don't worry. If you have a cosmetology license, you can sign up at MarloBeauty.com and shop at wholesale prices with no minimum order. Marlo Beauty Supply only sells to professionals. This is key because they're one of the only companies that puts salons first. Marlo ships right to your salon. Their shipping is so fast. And their website is always stocked with all the beauty essentials that you need. Their customer service team is wonderful and all of their items have a 30 day return window. No questions asked. Stop overpaying for the essentials and head to MarloBeauty.com. How do you talk about damage with your clients? Damage causes that frizzy, dull, and lackluster look. I love to fix all damage concerns with K18. Using K18 with all services reverses damage for better, longer lasting results between salon visits. 
Powered by biotech, K18's patented molecular repair technology powers deeper, lasting repair in just two steps. Their Pro Mask and Mist are loved by top stylists globally, and I know you will love K18 too. Upgrade your services and your clients' routines with professional pricing at Salon Centric, k18hairpro.com, or through your local K18 distributor. I actually have a university background in HR, so I think that was incredible for me to have those years of experience working corporate and then also at school. Um, I did that right book. So I did that actually, I went to beauty school and then I went to corporate and then I came back and then I went to hair school. So I think seeing that side and being kind of like someone who's a little in love with numbers um, really helped me in opening my business and kind of understanding where I was going to go with this. And then, you know, through a lot of trial and error and, and kind of needing the resources, I then brought on, you know, HR and lawyers and, you know, payroll people and all of those things. But in terms of formal training, um, I think because I was an educator and I was around a lot of salon owners, I feel like I was picking up on little things as I was in my early stages of the industry. I went from commission employee for eight years. I then got fired. Um, and that's like a crazy other story, which I've shared many times on stage, but I got fired. Um, I was doing 30 grand a month at the time. Um, when I got fired, it was, yeah, I was pulling in a lot of money for a salon and, um, I had no intention of opening a salon. I just really wanted to kind of um, take off with my education business. I couldn't do that being an employee where I was. They, they ended up letting me go and um, I did the math and I figured I could carry a salon with my 30 grand a month um, and anything on top of that would be gravy. So um, I ended up being independent because I worked out of a garage for about six to seven months and I would uh, do some hair and get the cash and take it to my contractors. So blood, sweat and tears went into the first version of the beige label salon. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I worked independent. I had the experience of what it was like to kind of like sweet life, even though I was just in a garage and completely alone, um, taking home my dirty towels at the end of the day. And like that blue plastic Ikea bag, I will never forget. I still have that bag, um, and bringing it back every day. I did that for months and then I opened the salon. So yeah, I went from commission to independent to salon owner, um, in wow. that order. Yeah. I too was fired and <laughs> I worked in my mom's kitchen. Oh my God, look at us. Months. Yeah, for like seven months. And I would charge like bare freaking minimum, but I would charge cash only. Hope the IRS doesn't come get me. This is like <laughs> 12 years ago. You can't get me. Um, But I would take all my money to my contractor to build the salon. So I totally understand wow. that grind. Our that stories grind. are so similar. I feel like every time we talk, we're just like, oh yeah, like it's, <laughs> it's a grind. Like it's a grind. It's like, you didn't, I didn't like really, I always wanted to open my salon, but it happened like, I wanted to, and I ended up like trying to get business loans and grants and like all these things. And I got denied from everything. And I was like, maybe it's just not for me. So I like went back to school for like a semester. And then I was like, I don't want to do this. Like I want to open my own salon. So I found, um, so I started working in my mom's kitchen and just, you know, that whole grind of like, I'm going to do this and the cash to the contractor. I 100%. I get it. I've been there. <laughs> I'm sure it's a crazy. lot of salon owners, I'm sure a lot of salon owners are like, yep. <laughs> like you don't, it's not like perfectly planned. Like you don't have like this perfect business loan or like rich parents or something to just like make it happen for you. It's like that grind is so special. And I'm really grateful for that part of my journey. Yeah. And like my garage my mom's <laughs> dining room was red like the it was all red so could you imagine doing hair in a red space oh my gosh our humble beginnings and look at us now I know I love it um okay so you do have some business background in HR which I love that that's really cool um your commission salon tell us about the vibe of the beige label when you like land on your Instagram <laughs> you could definitely see a vibe yeah, there's a vibe. Um, the vibe is, oh, how do I even explain it? It's like minimal, earthy, it girl. Um, you know, we beige. beige. Everything's like neutral and, you know, 
soft spoken that like soft luxury thing that everyone's talking about but like in hair and I say like I love commercial hair I don't love editorial hair I don't have an eye for like the cool edgy stuff I love it and I could look at it all day but I don't understand it because my mind just doesn't go there I our brand is just very that like everyday it girl hot mom walking down the street hot I love that yeah (laughs) um And what is your, like, what does your ideal employee look like? And I'm not talking like looks, you could go into looks if you want, you know, because I'm sure it's on brand, right? Like you're, if you see someone, you might be like, Hey, I have a salon, (laughs) you know what I mean? But like, what do they look like? And like, what is the like personality, their vibe? Like someone comes in for an interview. How do you know they're the one? And then I would love to hear any pet peeves that you might have. Okay, so what I look for is um, kindness is extremely important to me. I'm always looking for someone that has like a soft side to them. They can be like, I can be an alpha in my business, but at the end of the day, I'm like very soft in how I approach things, even conversations that are sometimes very difficult. And I actually enjoy having those conversations, but there's still a softness. And I think that's important, um, not just when you're talking amongst your peers, but also when you're with your clients to build that confidence, just having like, a non-abrasive personality is very important to me. Um, I don't, you know, I I look for people that are willing and that are open. Um, People that can take feedback from not just leadership, but also from their clients in a way positively where they can turn it around and take it into like a learning experience. You know, I've been there where I had the chip on my shoulder. I'm like, that client's crazy. They're always complaining to now. It's like, oh my gosh, get her back in. Let's figure this out my name is on you and we need to make this better. So those are some of like the high level things that I look for, Um, you know, to dig a little deeper. I I really look for people that have, that are surrounded by good people, you know, their families, their friends, the people that they spend time with is important to me and how, what their life looks like outside of the salon, because that pulls into what they're like, how they show up at work, um, you know, in the salon. And then also with their clients, those are really important things to me. So someone that you know, has um, a good support system outside of the salon, whether that be one person or a family or a team of people, um, people who are willing and open to learn, people who are happy and light, you know, like a light airiness to them, you know, those heavy employees that are just like energy suckers. Those are a lot for a salon owner. And when you have a couple of them, um, it can make your days very depleting. So that's kind of, I think, on the high level, what I'm looking for. Um, somebody that would, uh, that just takes their days, like they're light. I don't know how else to, a a perfect word would just be someone who's just light. They know how to, um, does that make sense? (laughs) Farhana, I don't know if you realize this. I just had like a major aha moment. Okay. I love Um, that. Okay. Can I want to share it with you? So in my therapy, I'm working on, I'm working on, um, like my picker like how I pick people to be in my life. And one of the things I've realized over three years of therapy, and this all comes from childhood stuff. I always like, if I am a sucker for a story, like I'm a sucker for someone who needs me to fix them, somebody who needs me to help them, uh, somebody who needs like my support to get them to the next thing. And what ends up happening is I will give like 1000% into somebody. And if they ever leave, I would get like upset about it because I'd be like, don't they realize like what I've done for them? So it's like me giving outside of my boundaries, me hiring, maybe not the right person, but I want to help them. I want to support them. I want to be there for them, whatever. So what you just said about looking for somebody who has a support system outside of the salon, like that is a major major aha moment for me because a lot of the people who I've worked with who I've had this experience with I want to be very careful how I say this a lot of people who I've had negative experience with are alone they have nobody they are always having issues at home they're always like the lone wolf all of these things and it's very easy for them to just drop and leave anything. And those people have hurt me pretty badly in the past. And instead of looking at like the support system and saying like, 
to, like, how would you even like ask that? How would you even like figure that out? Because it's not to say like, I wouldn't hire someone who, you know, didn't have a support system, but it's like, that is such a major bonus to have somebody like, you know, I have an amazing employee that works with me now. She basically runs my salon. Her name is Ashley. She's one of the greatest people I've ever met. And she's got an incredible husband. She's got a family. I'm able to hang out with her and her husband. Um, she's a wonderful mother. She's a uh, part of her church. She's part of her community. And she has that structure and support system. And she has been the best employee I've ever had. And I'm like, you know, that's new for me. I'm usually hiring like young people who are struggling, who need me. They literally need me is like how I look at it or whatever. So just you saying that like really just blasted my brain. Did that make sense at all? hundred percent because I've been there. One of my first employees was like one of my neediest employees when I first opened because she'd bring her, um, kind of like family stuff to the salon. And it was challenging because I'd want to support her and help her through that. But then it would pour into her um, conversations with clients and just like the experience that I felt like we were all having in the salon when she was around. Um, back to your question, I don't know if it was a rhetorical question, but how do I figure that out? When I'm interviewing, one of the questions I ask, and I like to dig a little bit, but one of the questions I ask is I say, um, describe to me your Sunday, like your, your day off work. So in that question, I can figure out, because some, if somebody asks me what my Sunday looks like, it's soft, it's in bed, it's with my laptop, I'm creating, I'm doing all the things, I'll go visit my family, it's a walk, it's coffee, it's, it's all the light, soft, pretty things that I like. But in that, I can figure out a lot about a person. And then if there's something in there where they mention family or friends, I'll dig a little deeper. I'll say, tell me a little bit more about that. I want to know more about what their life looks like outside of the salon without saying, are you broken? Like, what are you? <laughs> right. So that question, like I learned so much about people that way. So for anyone that's listening, that is trying to figure out how to kind of like learn about someone in the early stages without having to spend a ton of time with them. Just ask them. People love talking about themselves. Um, so I feel like you could get a lot out of that question. Yeah. Amazing. Like amazing. Um, yeah. I like need to unpack that. Like I would, I feel like that's something I'm going to talk about with my therapist. <laughs> I love that. Because Report back to me. I would, I'd love to get on that with you. <laughs> I will, you know, it's not something you normally think about. Yeah. And I love another thing that you said, um, even though, even when I have difficult conversations, I'm soft and I love your, your usage of the word soft is like very feminine and you can still be a boss and be feminine. You could still be assertive and be feminine. And something you said is even though I enjoy having those difficult conversations, that's something that like, I want to make sure we don't just brush past because I always say one difficult conversation a day makes me a stronger woman. And it's not to say I'm like combative or abrasive, but like, if I have to have those conversations, I embrace them and I use them to build stronger relationships uh, with, especially the people that I work with or my husband or my family. Like I don't run from those conversations. And sometimes I can be like a little blunt and a little hard. Um, and that's something that I want to step into more, especially I'm about to become a mom. So like, I want Wait, to, stop. yes, you didn't know this. <laughs> I don't post it like every day, but I am, I'm 21 weeks. So I'm really, oh my God, Gina. I know. So being feminine, yeah. Like being feminine, like is good. And I used to, when I first opened my salon after being hurt a lot of times, I got really far away from my feminine energy and I was very masculine and I was like way less emotional. I was still emotional, but I was way less under uh, soft, you know, I'm just going to stick with that word soft. And I think instead of brushing past it, like, I think that's another thing to kind of write down and think about for anyone who is like, you know, maybe listening to this podcast a few times, which I highly recommend listening to all of these episodes a few times because you're going to pick up something new every single time. But I love having a difficult conversation. You can still be feminine and be assertive. Uh, and another thing that you said uh, is amazing to turn a bad situation around with a client. Like you said, you know, you used to have a chip on your shoulder. The client would complain or something, but now it's like, let's get them back. Let's help them out. Let's you know, and I can relate to that in my salon 
we anytime a bad situation happened, we would use this as an opportunity to show how amazing we are. And if you can heal that with a client, like that is so it's so much more amazing than just getting it right the first time, like being able to like turn around a situation and show people what your brand's all about. I think those things, especially when looking for new employees or us as leaders, like those are some great things to think about. Love. I love you. You're amazing. I love you. Um, so we talked about what your ideal employee looks like, and I want to jump into the flexibility you offer. Do your employees make their own schedule? What is that autonomy like in your salon? Because today it's kind of hard to like nail down an employee and be like, you're doing this this way this time, you know, what is the balance between like you're building a brand, but you want to retain and get these amazing stylists. If you're looking to become an educator in the beauty industry, but you just don't know where to start, or if you're struggling with that imposter syndrome, like who am I to be an educator? We have the program for you. It's called Educate with Influence. It has been created by myself and my business partner, Olivia Thompson, also known as OMG Artistry. We created this program to help bridge the gap between educator and influencer, because let's be honest, in today's day and age, you need both skill sets to become successful, especially if you wanna become an independent educator. This is critical because brands will not even look at you if you don't have a following and if you don't have experience. The competition is big. So we created this course to give you a leg up in the industry and to just share with you how to do it because there's nothing in the industry like it. This course is made up of three modules and a ton of bonus content. The first module is how to become an educator, how to teach, how to be a good presenter, how to deliver a message, how to make sure your students get the most from your classes, how to organize a classroom and to manage a classroom. Then the next module is with Olivia and she teaches you how to cultivate your influence, how to build, manage, and grow your social media platform. And we even do live coaching calls so you can ask us any questions that you have while you're building your education program. The next module is with me. It's a hefty module. We talk about transforming your art into a business. We talk about how to tour, how to decide what to teach, how to build a lesson plan, how to organize events, ticketing, payments, pricing, everything. We talk about it all. And again, we do those live sessions. So if we missed anything or you have a unique thing that you need help with, we're here to help you. We also have a community of incredible educators who have completed the program and who want to help you succeed. If you're interested in Educate with Influence, visit www.educatewithinfluence.com to learn more or to sign up today. Um, something that one of my coaches had once told me was, cause I, 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 I used to struggle with the gray area. Like we don't have, everything's not written in stone. We have our non-negotiables. We have our, our things that we, you know, just things that I'm sure every salon has like the leave your shit at the door type of, um, rule book, um, little things that, you know, I were, I, I was a little bit willy nilly on was time off, um, how much time off that they wanted. We follow like the employment standards of the province that we live in, but of course, stylists sometimes want more time off. And I always want to give them that, that balance that they need to, so that they're, you know, in their excellence when they're in the salon. So one of the things that a coach told me, um, she said, this is what we offer. And so some of the non-negotiables are our schedule for me. These are the hours that we work. And, um, when you are at a point where you can earn the right to have a little bit more flexibility, that is definitely on the table. But in those early stages of your career or when you're building and you're still growing, I'm going to give you the recipe book for you to hit those numbers that you want to hit and to have that success. Once you're there and you want to coast a little bit, let's talk about that. So I think having the flexibility structure um, and having those conversations throughout their whole career is really important so that they understand that that flexibility can come, but it's not just going to be given to them. I can't always just have low hanging fruit for my employees. Um, you know, we kind of went through that grind and we had to figure it out ourselves and now get to the place where we have more flexibility and we can kind of create our own schedules. But, you know, I, I do think that there needs to be some sort of structure and some sort of accountability to that. When I say that I give, you know, that flexibility and that autonomy, the independence within the salon, um, 
I guess what I really speak to is um, their income. So if they say want to make a certain amount a year, I really let them dream up that number themselves to say, okay, I want to hit six figures this year, or I'm just new and I just kind of want to hit 50 grand a year. That would be incredible because I want to let go of my side job. I want to be able to pay my rent, all of the things. So really sitting down with your employees to figure out what what are their, their personal goals so that we can kind of work professionally to work backwards so that they're kind of, we whittle that number, we reverse engineer that number backwards so that they know what their daily total needs to be based on how many weeks of work they want to do a year. So um, really they're, they're kind of creating their own, um, I don't know what you guys call it, but we call it a T4 with the, the, the number, like the stub that they get at the end of the year for their taxes. I really let them pick that number themselves. And then I'm going to support them and lead them into the place where that they can do that. And I always ask them, can I hold you accountable to this? So if you know, your daily total needs to be $900 for you to take home a certain amount and you're only going to work you know, 15 days this month out of the 20 working days, how are we going to adjust that? I'm going to sit down with them because they may not know, okay, well, in these 15 days that I'm going to work, I'm going to need to increase my, my ticket $250 a day. I'm going to sit there and help them with that so that they're looking at all of their earning potential and that they're still hitting that number at the end of the year. So that's really important for me that they understand what that is. If on top of that, they want to take time off or they want to go travel for a month and that still fits within their goals, then let's go. But, um, you know, in those early stages, I think it's really important to kind of give them that structure. Then once they start to hit that, um, you know, a little bit more of that earn the right, you know, in our industry, then they can have a little bit more flexibility in their schedule. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it sounds like you're saying they have to pay their dues. Yeah. A little bit. So, you know, there's like this whole stigma in our industry about pay your dues. Um, and a lot of people, influencers right are like posting about like you don't have to pay your dues like that's toxic when salon owners say pay your dues like that's a red flag blah blah, blah. for salon owners listening you know the paying your dues verbiage to new generation could come off as a red flag everything that you just said farhana is yeah you can do this but you have to do this first and the way you said it was in such a nice way and you're holding them accountable. Can I hold you accountable to this? Like you don't have to always walk on eggshells. You almost have to find a new way to say things. And everything that you just said is meant to help them. So it's like, you know, if you're a salon owner and you're struggling with, you know, your systems for how people grow in your salon, that verbiage, play that back, hit rewind, play that back. Because a lot of people want all of the great things, but they have to put in the work to get there. Um, and I wanted to ask you before we move on, what is the benchmark that they have to hit to enjoy that flexibility? And I'm sure it's different for everybody, but you know, maybe it's not different for everybody. Maybe it happens quicker or whatever for everybody, or maybe you have a certain time frame. What does that look like to you? I don't even think it comes down to like a service total. I think it comes down to productivity and efficiency in the salon. Um, you know, I think if there's demand on their time, demand on their books, that earns the right for a little bit more flexibility. And that gives them a little bit more, um, a little bit more voice in how they're kind of operating their business, because we do need to give them that autonomy. And we do want to give them a place where they feel comfortable and confident at all times. And if that means that they can say, okay, I'm going to take this much time off, or I want to change my schedule to this to accommodate my personal life. Then as a salon owner, that's where I kind of get a little bit more flexible with them. And I want to hear them out. I never always have an answer out of my back pocket. I will think on it. I will come back in, um, in a way that, you know, it, it serves both places. And so both people, so that we come to a place of agreement and, um, but I, I don't think it's necessarily a service number. Like, yes, of course we need to be making a profit, but I think ensuring that your, your stylists are feeling that, um, they can speak up and they can have what they want within your salon company is really important. I was working with a salon. I did some coaching for a salon and they told me that their highest level of commission was 70%. And the reason they did 70% is because they're trying to compete with the, the stylists that want to go off on their own, where they're saying, okay, 30% is going to go to taxes, 30, 40, whatever. So they're trying to make it really appealing for stylists to stay. And they still had stylists leaving. And so I think, you know, they came back to me and said, it wasn't really about the money for them. It was really about like the culture, maybe how it was being led or the, the level of education that was being offered. So as salon owners, there are so many things we need to 
touch on to not just keep our stylists, but to grow them. Um, you know, Victor, who you were mentioning earlier, I remember he made this post years ago and he said, what would happen if you teach all of your stylists everything that you you know and they leave? And what would happen if you don't teach everything and they stay? Um, that stuck with me forever because there was a time in my career as a salon owner that I said, I'm going to stop giving them everything, all of this low hanging fruit, because they're just going to leave. But what if you do that and they stay and they're part of your salon company and your culture and the brand that you've created? Um, they all represent my name. My name is on that door. It's on all of our merch. Like it's everywhere. So picking those people and um, giving them a reason to not just like stay here, but happily stay here, which is why I don't believe in like term contracts is very important to me. You know, I've had lawyers say, oh, you should put them on a contract. I don't want to. I want them to happily stay. I want them to happily show up. I want them to happily go home at the end of the day. Those are very important signs for me of like a healthy environment. Um, I would love to know any pet peeves that you have. Complainers. Easy. That's an easy one. Complainers about their past salon, when they come into an interview or they're coming in on their first day and they're complaining about the last salon they worked in or hair school, I'm like, mm-mm, girl, this is not going to fly here. Even if I kind of want to agree with them, that is just a no. I don't love it. And I will call them out. I will call them out on it softly, but I will. We don't, we don't do that. You know, we can share opinions and ideas and things like that, but complaining with no change is like crazy to me. Crazy. And it really can have an effect on the culture. Yeah. Like it really can affect everyone around you. So if you're a stylist listening to this, be mindful of what you're bringing to the space. So many stylists are like, this place is toxic or the, like they'll complain about anything in the salon, but they don't realize that they're the ones bringing that shit in. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, you know, and toxicity to me, I think another huge pet peeve of mine, which is what lends to toxicity is um, hot and cold. When you don't know what you're going to get from an employee every single day, when they walk in, you don't know what version they're, you're going to get of them. That is toxic to me. That is like my definition of toxic is when it's up and down, hot and cold in and out. And um, it doesn't serve anyone any, it doesn't, it doesn't work. You know, it, it's just, it, there's no place for that. There's no room for it. Um, but it's, it's challenging as an owner because there, there are good days amongst the bad days. And so, you know, when you have uh, team members that are coming in grumpy and then you're just like, okay, well by the afternoon, they'll be happy again or tomorrow they'll be happy again. And now you, now they're super great and you, you've missed the opportunity to call them out on it, but you don't want to call them out on it when they're in a bad mood, because it's going to become combative and reactive. And then if you wait till when it's good, it's almost like, is it even, is, was that, is that even, is there even a point to this at this point? You know what I mean? So I think as a salon owner, that's definitely something I am very sensitive to now, um, having experienced that. And, um, I, I definitely call it out sooner rather than later. I had an employee like that and everyone was walking on eggshells around her. Yeah. And I had a one guy working for me and he came and he's like, when are you going to fire her? And when your employees say that to you, you have to really look in the mirror and say, what am I allowing in my business? And, um, it was like, you know, this person like did not have a support system. They did not have the support around them. And that like, when you, I agree with you, when you come in, you have no idea what you're going to get. It is so hard to lead in that environment. And it's more, it's harder for your staff than it is for you. Mm -hmm. And it's not fair. So as a leader, like, I agree with you. It's like you either coach in the moment or you don't because it's awkward after. And then if they're in a good, it, like, is it worth it? I totally get that. It's like you coach in the moment or you don't. I, I had a conversation with um, a past employee once and, you know, she came back to me after and said that something I said to her that really stuck with her was it, it got to the point of no return where I just said, at this point, I'm really evaluating if you, you're going to have a job here. I don't say that. I don't say those words often. And what I said to her, I said, I'm at the point now where I can no longer put our clients, the team and myself through this anymore. And she was like, oh my God, it's not just affecting me or my teammates or my clients, but everyone as a whole is noticing my up and down, my change in behavior. And 
it, then from that conversation, I heard there were some other personal things that were going on. And, you know, so it, it really finding the root of that too, sometimes is all that they need for just a little swift kick in the butt to be like, I got to get my button gear here because it's being noticed. Um, but you're right. Coaching in the moment sometimes is not the easiest thing to do, especially when we have a million things that we're running in our minds, but it needs to be done regardless of what the outcome is going to be. Because if you wait too long, oh, it's bad. Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah. Not a good percent. Yeah. I, I think that that is something incredibly important. And if you're a stylist listening to this and you've got a problem that nobody can fix, stop bringing it to work. And if yeah. you're a leader, just know it's harder for your team than it is for you. Like it is not good to let that kind of stuff go. So thank you for bringing that up. I totally agree. Um, question is your salon gratuity free? No, we are all the gratuity. <laughs> I love that. There's a lot of people in the industry saying that that's the future of the industry. I disagree. And I'm asking every salon owner on this, uh, series if they're gratuity free. We have high gratuities too. Like if they're, I, when we're doing our payouts, I'm like, damn, our clients love us. <laughs> Mm -hmm. It's the best yeah. feeling. I love gratuities are appreciated, but never expected. And our clients love to spoil us. So yeah. Awesome. Um, and then how do you feel about recruiting? And I'm going to use a bad word like poaching. Like, do you go out of your way to find people and ask them to come to your salon? Or are you more of like an attraction based place? Definitely an attraction based place. I've actually never made a hiring post. Um, I've never poached before because I have been on the other end where my stylists have been poached. So I, and it's a really icky feeling on this end when you've poured into employees and then other salons are like, Oh, well you were trained over there. So let's bring you over here. Now that hurts a little bit. Um, but uh, I've never poached. Um, I think right now, because we are kind of like in a bringing on new stylists. Um, I don't know if I'd necessarily do like a hiring post, but definitely like our applications are open right now. Um, I'm looking for new talent, of course. So I think that's just like the way that I kind of do it. Um, but we we get applications all of the time. Something that our salon seems to attract is a lot of people who are moving to the city with experience, but no clientele. So they come here knowing that there's a large network. There's a lot of eyes on our salon. There's a lot of eyes on the brand. And so they think this is like a great place to kind of build their books um, and then take that you know, and, and go open their own. So I'm a little bit more mindful of that now as well. Um, if I am going to be hiring somebody new to the city to, to understand what their commitment is on their end to build their books as well, not just relying on the salon. Absolutely. I think it's really good to kind of be mindful and know yeah. those kinds of things. And I, I was just asking, because that's another thing going around is, uh, you know, poaching people. And I'm not a huge fan of that at all. Um, I definitely will post about our salon and stuff like that, but I don't really slide in DMs and, you know, I like love all the relationships I have with my salon owner friends. So if people do come to me and want to work at the network, I'm like, you know, I, I always will try to like reach out to the salon owner and be like, you know, after the fact, but I don't go in their DMs, you know, I think it's really hard. I think, um, you know, for salon owners that are commission-based, that are listening to this, there is a shift in stylists who have gone independent, who are now coming back to a structured salon environment. Um, I think if you're going to poach, those would be the stylists that I would maybe kind of get at the ones that have gone independent and might be feeling a little lost and kind of want to have a mentorship or have like a salon space to work in because they're not working for anyone but themselves. So it's a little bit easier to be like, Hey, here we are. <laughs> If you're, cause I have an, I have an employee that she went independent for three years after working at a commission salon for eight years and decided she wanted to come back. And if she was going to go back to a salon, she's like, I'm going to go back to the best salon. Um, so I realized through her that there are stylists that are out there that are independent who can't sustain that for themselves. You know, you have to be like a very self-motivated person, a high achiever, someone who walks in excellence all of the time for you to really, you know, to do well in that. You can't have these stylists that need their hand held every single day. So that's like a little niche group of stylists that could um, easily be poached without it feeling messy or icky in any way. So what about yeah. me? You're taking my renters away from me. Right. So I feel like I don't think I would do it to a salon, like a renter, like some of the people that work already in a salon because they have the best of both worlds. It's those people that are working by themselves. Do you know what I mean? 
So sweets are not safe. The sweets are not safe. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've never done it, but I think if I, I don't know if I could find it in me to message someone and be like, Hey, come work at my salon. I, I, I feel like they eventually just figure it out. And they're see if they're seeking community and collaboration, they're going to go and find it. If they went out on their own already, they'll, they'll find it themselves. I don't feel like I really need to uh, go, but I know there's people out there that really support poaching. Yeah. It's a hot topic right now. And that's why I'm asking everybody on this series, like what their thoughts are on it. Um, and you know, it just, it is what it is. Like, I feel like it just depends on like, you know, what, who, like who you are as an owner and what, you know, like how you recruit. And like, for me, I will just promote my salon and hopefully people are attracted to the salon. I feel like there's even like this soft poaching where salons will go and like your stylist posts. Like they'll go and like 10 of them without really saying, come work here, but they're like soft poaching. And I'm like, I see you, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another thing, like something that I will do is I'll go to a lot of classes, like in the area, like I'll buy tickets, go support the classes, support the educators, talk to people, um, and not necessarily be like, Oh, Hey, I'm at the, come work at my salon. I would just be seen. You know what I mean? Like as an edu- as a salon owner being educated and it hits so many things. Like I'm out with my team getting educated, I'm supporting other educators, I'm supporting other salons, I'm talking to people. I feel like just being out there is really helpful to like help promote your salon. Um, but I would never be like, oh yeah, come come to my place. We'll take good care of you, blah, blah, blah. Unless people come to me first. If they right. come to me and they complain to me about their salon, it is a red flag, by the way, like you said. It is kind of a red flag, but I've had people just like ask me for advice. And I'm just like, what do you want me to say here? You know, like, what do you want from me? <laughs> Cause yeah. a lot of people will be in my DMS down the street complaining. And I'm just like, what do you want me to say to you? Do you want a written invitation? Do you want to fill out an application? Like, what do you want me to say? Like some people put salon owners in weird positions, but I agree. There is that soft poaching. It's interesting. It's interesting. So I'm glad, like, I'm glad to talk about this topic because I feel like it's a hot topic and we don't really talk about it. Yeah. All right. Couple more questions for you. Just two more. And then I'd love to hop into what you were talking about before we got on air about culture. Um, what advice would you give to a stylist right now who their dream is to open a salon? Like, what would you tell them? Holy loaded question. It's a lot, but like, you know, say, say your little sister just finished uh hair school or they just went rental or their commission, they want to open a salon. What would you tell them? Like point blank, like blunt, best friend, big sister advice. I would say don't do it unless your heart is in the place of growing people. Like selflessly, selflessly, you need to have a salon owner that's going, I'm speaking commission salon because that's my experience. But you really need to find it in you to let people grow and to watch people grow and lead them in that direction um, and take yourself out of it. It sounds like parenting. I feel like being an employee-based honor has prepared me slightly because I know it's a whole different thing. But that selfless giving, and you're going to grow a lot as a person. Mm -hmm. And I think it really like, you know, kind of, touches on those like rejection wounds that we all have um, at entrepreneurship is just a lot of showing up and a lot of rejection all the time. And, you know, we're here to party. And if people come to the party, we still have to be here as the host. So I think uh, those would probably be other, other than the technical stuff, like get your business plan dialed in. Um, I think, you know, heart wise, mind wise, it would be, you know, being able to selflessly give and, and let the people grow, celebrate their wins and not, and take the ego out of it. Awesome. Another question. What do you think every salon owner should know or realize in today's day and age? Like if they're a current salon owner and maybe they're struggling, what's something that you like wish every salon owner just knew or realized? Um, pricing. I wish we had, I don't necessarily wish we had standardized, standardized pricing, but I think salon owners need to get very clear on their menus and their pricing and how that's actually being done in the salon. I think that's a very important topic that isn't being talked about a lot, or or maybe it is, 
and there's just not a lot of application because it's hard to change pricing. It's hard to revamp your menu. It's it's hard to do all of those things. I get it, but it's also hard to be, you know, it's it's the pick your hard battle. Um, I, I wish I wish they all paid a little bit more attention to that, and then having the skills, the soft and technical skills that kind of lead up to ma to make that pricing um, valuable for the client. Is there anything that you want to add in about pricing, like anything that's helped you with your pricing or anything that like you, your salon would not function without this pricing? Um, or this, we do or not this information about, or like this system, like your salon, like wouldn't be where it is today if you didn't do blank. I just want to make sure I give a good question. Okay. So I guess like we're not hourly priced, but we are hourly priced and clients just don't know it. So we kind of, you know, reverse engineer our pricing so that no matter what we're doing, every hour is like billable to, to work in our favor. So if you're doing like a three hour color uh, or four hour balayage service versus a two hour root touch-up service, you're kind of billing around in and around the same amount so that there's no, um, uh, I guess at the end of the day, no matter how your day is stacked, you're still doing the certain dollar amount. I think that's really important. Yeah. That's really important. And I talk about all that all the time. We all charge hourly. So like if you're, you have an idea in mind or you have a system or a benchmark or whatever about this is our hourly rate and this is how everything is priced to make that happen. And for people who don't have that, you're still charging hourly, right? You know, you will say, I'm just going to pull up my calculator. You're going to say, okay, we're going to all charge $2,000 a day. We have eight, eight hours for sale. It's two fifty an hour. Somebody who's just blindly, you know, bringing in, maybe they're bringing in 1200 a day. You're charging one fifty. It's like, if you look at what you're bringing in and divide it by how many hours you have for sale, that's your hourly rate. We all charge hourly, whether it's intentional or not. So as a salon owner, you, once you really start looking at the output and really start looking at every hour as something for sale, I think me and Victor talked about this as well. Everything changes. Mm -hmm. Everything changes because you then are like starting to have some kind of control over your business. Yeah, that's so true. Love it. Now, is there anything you want to close with? I know I asked all the salon owners, like what they're most passionate about, you know, when it comes to their salon and what they want to talk about and, you know, what they want this podcast to be about. We talked a lot about your salon, about the culture, about all of those things, but is there anything else you want to add in about culture before we hop off? I think something, you know, that I'm really passionate about is, you know, selfishly, but also for my salon is just making sure that I'm the best leader that I can be, because it really does start with the leader. Whenever there's an issue, a challenge or something going on in the salon, it's like, I got to look in the mirror and figure out what's going on. Why have I allowed that? What have I done to um, encourage a certain behavior, good or bad? What's working? What's not? So I think as salon owners, rather than saying it's toxic because of this employee or our location or our pricing or our marketing is off, all of those things, it really comes down to the people that we are. And like you said, like your therapy, like you're getting to that place where you're like, you know, I'm all, I'm, I'm all about like pure wholesomeness. Like I love people who are, um, you know, self-aware and introspective and articulate, and they can make powerful statements with fewer words. Those are things that are like very attractive to me. And so I think as a leader, finding ways so that I can show up for my employees without being overbearing and like motherly to them, but they know that I'm here at all times. They can reach me when they need to reach me while having really healthy boundaries, um, which is something that we talk about so much in our industry as well. It's like such a buzzword. Um, but I think, yeah, I think all of the other stuff starts to fall into place when we really look at ourselves and we're looking at our mindset and our heart set and all of that, that stuff that goes on outside of the salon. So that when we're here, it's intentional. It's, I love being efficient and high productivity and um, I, I'm a very high achiever. I, I want all the, all the things all of the time. <laughs> so figuring out all of that um, I think is really important for salon owners, leaders, management, and anyone that's really there to support the growth of their people. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, for me, like in therapy and stuff like that, like I didn't, I never went to therapy until 2020 and I started going regularly every single week. Like I made the commitment every single week. I stopped spending money on alcohol and drugs because <laughs> I was really like out of control with like smoking weed and drinking and like just partying. 
And I started putting money toward just self-development. And one of the biggest things that I got from that, like I do a lot of self-development classes. I read a lot of self-development books and podcasts and I'll go to court classes. I do a lot of Tony Robbins stuff. And, but the biggest growth I've had is with my therapy. And one of the things I say I've gotten the most from is recognizing and being able to change my patterns. And like one of the patterns of, you know, this is the type of person I'll usually hire, you know, and you cannot unsee that once you see it. So I think a lot of it is uncovering those patterns that are unconscious that you don't even know are happening and it will help you become a better leader. So if you're a salon owner and you want to develop your leadership, like I feel like one of the best things you could do is just work on yourself. And one of the best ways you could work on yourself is start uncovering and unveiling those patterns, unconscious and conscious patterns. Um, one more question that I skipped over. Remember when I blanked out? <laughs> this is the question that I wanted to ask you. And I, I love this question because for every salon owner, it's so different, but what is your daily role? Like what, what is your daily role within your organization? How often are you working? How many clients are you seeing? Are you seeing clients? Like what, like, what is your daily role? Like what is your job there besides everything? Besides everything, right? So I'm here for sure three days a week. Um, either creating content or, you know, with clients still, but my daily role is to fill the gaps. I think, you know, I think if you can picture like, I don't know, like a connect for, and like, there's all the little holes and your people fill all the holes and I'm there to like fill in all the empty ones. And the reason I say that is because my salon coordinator, my receptionist, um, she tells me, she says, when you're not here like we feel it and like a compliment, but also like a, Oh, I hate that. I want you guys to be like thriving without me. Um, but I realized that my energy is something that, you know, one of like the top tier compliments I get from people is I just love being around you. I love your energy. It's light and airy. And I love that. So I feel like even though if I'm not in salon owner mode that particular day, I think people just love that energy. And it's like one of the big, like something that I hold so close to me that being a likable person in this industry is what gets you really far for people who want to work with brands, for people who want to be an educator, for people who want to have a very magnetic clientele, being a likable person is, is huge. You know, we're selling ourselves, we're selling our time. And so I'd say that would be my role. I love that. And that was when I had my employee base lawn, it was amazing when I was there working behind the chair every day because I was in the trenches with my team and my energy was there. And then when I started falling in love with the education business and when I started my education business and when I was traveling all the time, they would say the same thing. It's like, when you're not here, we feel it. And like you said, it's a compliment, but it's also a huge responsibility and I would say to any salon owner or anyone wanting to be a salon owner, that is like the number one takeaway. I have yet to meet a successful employee-based owner, and maybe on this podcast, we will meet them and we will learn from them, <laughs> but who is successfully absent. Yeah. And if you are successfully absent, I'm sure you have like incredible incredible managers that you're developing. But if you're the owner of your brand and you have a brand that your staff, they're coming there to work with you, it is freaking impossible almost to just not be there. So I love that you brought that up. I think that we as leaders and business owners are very important to the culture. For sure. I mean, your, your salon before the network was named after you, right? So you are the face of that company. And, you know, I recently, I think it was two years ago, I took my um, handle off of my Google name and I took it away from, you know, it's, it's still on our door, but I slowly tried to kind of take myself away from the beige label brand, which is why I didn't call it. I didn't name it after myself. It, just, it says a salon by me. Um, but I think I wanted my salon to have its own. It could stand on its own feet without me. Um, but, you know, I think as a salon owner, for any salon owners that, opened a salon because their own personal brand became too big to just be on their own. You know, something that you will struggle with or that we do struggle with is your clients. A lot of clients are coming to the salon for a version of you. So 
you know, there's an expectation that a version of you is in all of your stylists. So you still need to figure out a way um, for your stylist to be a, a, a small version of you, but still fully independent and their own artists so that their artist soul is fulfilled at all times. And that is something as a salon owner with your name on the door that we will constantly, um, I think, have to navigate, you know, giving them our clients off of our wait list, but then the client feeling like I would have rather seen her, but I'll take second best. And how do you have those conversations with your employees so that they feel grateful for the client? This is an opportunity for you to win them over. I, I got them through the door for you. And now's your time to shine and, and celebrating that rather than saying, oh, well, you know, I'm passing you on a client because I couldn't get it, couldn't get them into my chair. Having that conversation loudly, proudly, and um, compassionately is really important for me in my salon. I, that for mine too. When, yeah. I mean, that was a huge thing. And I had a lot of people leave my salon because they did not want to live in my shadow. Yeah. And how do you make sure every single person is, has a little piece of you and then be mad when they leave and want their own? Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know. It's, I agree with what you said. What advice would you give a stylist who wants to open a salon? You do it because you truly want to grow people and leave that mark in the industry. You know, and I think I relate to you in that, um, maybe the feelings you had when you were oh, the owner of your Gina Bianca salon, I own my salon and I'm here teaching my stylists and cultivating an environment that they want to stay forever. I mean, that's not obviously going to happen, but that's the environment that we want to create that, you know, this is their dream place to be. But then I'm out there on the road coaching stylists to chase their dreams. And so I remember I had an employee and she came to me and she didn't even, she just called a meeting with me and we closed the door and, and she started crying. And I said, I already know, I already knew. You know, we, we, we sense these things weeks leading up to it. And um, she said, are you mad at me? And I said, here's the thing. The EXO for Hannah Balayage on Instagram wants you to chase your dreams. Go get it, girl. I'm here for you. I'm so excited for you. I know what it feels like when you want to spread your, ring, your wings. The EXO for Hannah Enterprises that owns this business has a different opinion. <laughs> and I wanted her to know that the heart in me was like, go get it. But the mind in me was like, are you kidding me? Like I gave you everything. So I think as salon owners, that's something that we just navigate. You know, we have it's to figure so it hard. out. It's hard. I get it. I'm right there. I, I feel it too. My heart's in it. I mean, I lead my business with heart centered business practices. So of course my heart is in everything that I do and it's very felt throughout my clients, my, my team. And so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if there's an answer other than you just have to be so, detached but attached you know like finding that love and like the detachment part of it and just letting them and letting them be figuring it out and um making space for for more growth yeah I love it uh, it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot to unpack and if you want to open a salon and you know maybe maybe you want to build it in a way where you're intentionally not so needed. Like for me in my salon, I'm there like four or five days a month. And I've been like that since the beginning because I wanted it to be so opposite of my old place. I was like, I do not want, I want like when I'm here that they're excited. Not when I'm not there, they're like wondering where I am. <laughs> right. So it's like really this, I feel like this series and I'm not trying to toot my own horn. But like, I really feel like this series being uncut, being raw and having conversations with people like you, Farhana, like, I feel like this is going to help so many people, salon owners, people who want to be salon owners, you know, I really feel like having this kind of perspective is something that's so needed. So I want to thank you so much for your time. You're so welcome. I feel like this is like therapy for salon owners, you know, it's the best. We, we need each other. We really do. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me and having me be your second guest after Victor. Like that's such an honor. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. I love it. So I'm so jazzed about it. I, I was like my conversation with him. I was like, this is like, for me, I'm a salon owner. I have experience and I'm, my mind is blown and working with you today. Like just like my, 
I like need to go unpack. Like <laughs> I need to go like think on it. So again, everybody listening, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Listen to the episodes more than once. Okay. Because the length of these episodes, there's no freaking way you're going to be able to remember every single thing we talked about. Revisit this series, know that you're not alone and know that, you know, that like Farhana took the time out of her day to share like pretty openly <laughs> with everybody and same here. So I hope that you enjoy this. I hope that you utilize it and take it to your full advantage. And Farhana, thank you so much again. Tell them where um, they can find you, all of the infos, and then we'll hop off. Exo Farhana Balayage um, everywhere. And yeah, I can't wait to um, hear this all come together and be a part of it. It's very exciting. So thank you guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you all on the next one. Thank you so much for listening to Salon Ownership Unfiltered. This series has been so fun to record. I've learned so much from all of the amazing guests, and I'm so grateful that I'm able to provide this amazing free resource to all of you. It wouldn't be possible without all of my sponsors, my mastermind group, and Educate with Influence because those amazing people and businesses support this free education. So please check Check out all the sponsors. Visit ginabianca.com slash podcast to get all of the information and more resources attached to this episode. I would also love to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you're loving the podcast. All right, that's it. I'll talk to you guys soon and hope you have a wonderful day and I'll see you on the next one.